0: Because it is one of the craziest things <laughs> that has happened in my ministry to date. <laughs>
1: Amen. I just Amen. hope some crap God made... oh no, I maybe not. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm Thomas here with Daniel for another episode.
1: Yeah, great to be back.
0: Yeah. How have you been?
1: Um, busy. Pretty good. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me you too. Know, I, that seems to be the name of the game these days.
1: Yeah. I don't know how long it's been in the English vocabulary uh, when crazy became like an adverb or let's see, maybe it'd be like a double. I don't know. What do you call What do you call like what What modifies an adjective? You're asking the wrong guy. Okay. Okay. Like in grammar, because now it's not we're busy. It's crazy busy. Instead of that's just crazy. It's like crazy busy or, um, or stupid busy, you know, when, when that you didn't <laughs> used to use those two together, but I think that's becoming, well, I don't know. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, but patrons, we want to, uh, take this, uh, this chance before we jump into our conversation to thank you so much for your supportment uh, supportment <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yes daniel just makes up words that's right here on the podcast where we make it up as we go if there's not a word yeah. for it we'll we'll make one um all right <laughs> so thank you for all of your supportment uh whatever that might be <laughs> and um and for your support and prayers and listening and sharing and uh and just i really do appreciate that and uh, if you're interested in being a patron, go to patreon.com slash reason together. Um, We'd like to hear from our listeners and have more uh, here as uh, as we've become, had more tenure? Is that the word? Has always had more history as a podcast. We've started to get more feedback, I think. And uh, if you've got a question, uh, maybe it's something we've never discussed. Totally fine. You say, oh, this is going to sound like a weird question. Well, maybe it will, but shoot it our way. Anyway, it's reason together podcast at gmail.com. That's all all together reason together podcast at gmail.com. We'd like to hear what Mm -hmm. you say, questions that you have, even comments about what we've already talked about. Uh, We'd love to hear from you.
0: Very good. Um, In the last episode, um, we talked about the image of God. Do you remember that? Um, No. You know, a a week ago? (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is honestly well, one that, of my one of my fears about this podcast is somebody coming up to me going, oh man, what, well, and I actually they have like, yeah, what you said on on that podcast, and I, like I, I don't even remember that conversation. I, what did I say? You know, if somebody says, yeah. well, you said this, uh, I'd have to go back to listen to the podcast to see if I did. <laughs> I mean, maybe there would yeah. be someone I'd be, no, I didn't. I, I surely didn't say that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. To remember everything we've ever said.
0: Well, it's weird. I used to think sometimes maybe be a little silently judgy of people who couldn't remember what was preached on after the sermon was over. And then it wasn't long ago. I had an experience where someone asked me, so what'd you preach on today? And I was like, "Uh, today, (laughs) uh, I don't, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Uh, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I go a little easier now, I guess. Yeah. No. Once it once um, it hap- once it's true way. of
1: us, then we then we give then we ease up on other people. That's right. That uh, is the standard, isn't it? It is. <laughs> All right. What was your original question?
0: I, I was saying how in the last episode we introduced a subject that I guess some people debate. I I guess. I, I still can't figure out why. Like oh, what's the, the image implication? of God? Okay.
1: okay, now I do remember. The image yeah, yeah, of yeah. God thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
0: Is, is mankind still made in god's image or did he lose god's image at the fall and i got some feedback from a listener on this okay after and of course the context was that i was talking with a man who took this position that we no longer are made in god's image after the fall right 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 mm-hmm. and and i remember I ended you up mentioning that Yeah, I ended up writing him a letter, just an email, just to kind of explain at least somewhat of my view on the subject. Um, It certainly wasn't exhaustive, but it was at least several things for him to consider. Um, And then I got some feedback a few days after that from one of our listeners who brought in a very good point. Uh, And it was basically this uh this is from michael this is from the patron message board uh he says in the debate about whether or not we are created in the image of god of course i believe that we are a question could be brought up if we aren't created in the image of god then why is murder such an offense to god yeah and he references and i i wish i had thought of this because (laughs) this in i i think this kind of puts the argument to bed uh-huh. He references Genesis 9.6. The The context here is that uh, Noah and his family are off the ark by this point. The floodwaters have abated and the Lord uh, institutes, we might say, the very first form of human government here uh, outside of right. sort um, of family government. Um, and it says there, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed for him in, in the image of God made he man.
1: Oh, man, that's great. Now,
0: <clears throat> interestingly, even though it says he made man in the image of God, that is past tense, someone could argue, oh, well, that's past tense. He made him at first in the image of God. But that the point is not the past tense here of the, of the phrase made he man. The point is murder was punishable by death right then
1: in Genesis right, 9, right. six. Right, which is and hundreds of years in human history.
0: Right, and the reason for it is man is made in God's image. Right, yep. Right then. If okay. man was no longer made in God's image, then really this statement makes no sense.
1: Okay, uh, Year, honestly, years ago, this we've been podcasting now about five years, and I think around within wow. our first year, uh, we extended a verbal um, award to a listener named Sarah, uh, and that award was, I wish I'd have thought of that first award, I think. And so, Michael, I, I just mm-hmm. want to bestow upon you the second, the second of these awards. Um, the yes. I wish I'd have thought of that first.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, need some sort I, of like celebratory sound like. And then nice, we can well officially done. declare. There you go. The, uh, the award given to Michael Larson for.
1: Uh, thinking of it first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Thank you, Michael. That was a, a great yeah. point there.
0: But it, in, in the letter that I did write to the man in, in, many ways, it was kind of formulating some of my thoughts on the issue as or solidifying, I should say, some of my thoughts on the issue. I was trying to see the relationship between, uh, consciousness or sentience in man and the image of God and the authority that is delegated to man, uh, in scripture and I, basically, I think the man was was confused thinking that what mankind lost at the fall was the image of God, but what he lost was his innocence. And he was conflating uh-huh. those two things. Uh-huh. And I think there's a, a sufficient body of evidence to be able to say those are two different things. Well, sure. Uh, in James 3, 9, it says, Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith, curse we man, speaking about the tongue which are made after the similitude of God. And though that's a different word, the point James is making is that you have to be careful what you say to other people and about other people because they're made in the image of God, same as you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's sufficient evidence to say that, yes, we are still made in the image of God today. Sure. We did not lose that at the fall. We, we lost our innocence, but I'm still struggling to see what the implications of the argument are. Um, anyway, Probably something for a different day.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, the one thing I think, well, if they think... I would say that... um, I would say, obviously, that something changed at the fall, maybe more than we lost our innocence, but His image in us was marred, or something like that, so that we're being restored to the image of Christ as we submit to the Holy Spirit. We're being transformed back into something. But... um,
0: but right. what was i gonna well, say i think go, go ahead. You, you got you got it or no don't? i
1: don't go ahead and keep talking okay. so then i can sound more intelligent when i come out with it
0: <laughs> okay because that, that's that's what we're after right now like uh... <laughs> yeah um but there this, the relationship between dominion and authority uh, and or the relationship between dominion and the image of god became more prevalent as i Continued to study this after our last episode, okay? Because and it literally comes right from the text in Genesis one twenty six that he he, they said, "Let us make man in our image and likeness, and after our likeness, and let them have dominion." Yes. Uh So it's literally right in the context of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. The dominion principle. Mm -hmm. So whatever the image of God is, it is connected vitally to the concept of dominion. And it's referenced for us again in uh, 1 Corinthians eleven seven. Even though man has been given dominion over the earth, right? Mm-hmm. By having the image of God. The image of God is then cited to refer to man's dominion in the home in mm. 1 Corinthians eleven seven. So authority is very much connected to the idea of the image of God. Mm-hmm. So if you say that even the image of God was marred at the fall, I'm not even sure we can say that mm-hmm. because mankind still has dominion over the earth. We still we still are able to subdue the animal kingdom. We're still able to invent and create and and harvest and and plant and all these things and exercise dominion over the earth in many ways better than they did in the ancient world. So mankind still has dominion because he has the image of God because he is conscious and sentient and can think and invent and create. Um, So yeah, I I wouldn't even say that the image of God was marred per se at the fall. Does that make sense?
1: Uh, Yeah, but I I guess I'm just trying to balance it to some degree with the passages where maybe this isn't the best one, but Colossians, you know, three 10 and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him talking about how, um, you know Christ's mm. image and us, and like, how are we restored somehow to that image if we always had it? You know what I mean. Right. Um, so maybe good that's point. not good use of the terminology there. But anyway, and maybe that's what was that?
0: What was that passage in Colossians
1: three ten, and there may be others okay. that kind of deal with the image in the New Testament. Um, mm-hmm. So you think so. then there's justification to
0: say that the image of God was in some way marred in man, but that we still are made in his image now.
1: Yes. Now, I don't know. Maybe Mard's not the right word. Um, but uh, yeah, it just sometimes you really do have to find the right word to encapsulate exactly what you mean to say. And Mard may yeah. not really be that that one. <laughs>
0: but, okay.
1: Um, All right. So like, okay, um, Romans 8, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, well, is that, is that like once we're glorified, we're conformed to the image of his son? Or is that the sanctification process? See,
0: again, um, yeah, I think that's related to sanctification. There's a moral question surrounding the image of God in that verse. Whereas I think the image of God that we get from Genesis one twenty six and Genesis 9.6, uh, that is an authority
1: mm-hmm, relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. That phrase, the image of God. So there is, in a sense, two ways that the phrase is being used: <clears throat> one referring to the moral nature of man, the other referring to the dominion nature of man hmm. because he is a sentient and conscious being.
1: And maybe that's the distinction where that helps that balance there. So yeah, okay. Um, well, I don't know uh,
0: what to do with all that information, or or how it yeah, will actually.
1: You're still looking for affect the- anything. Yeah. Oh, I guess what I was going to say earlier was that if someone says, well, uh, they sinned, they lost their innocence, but they're still in the image of God, it somehow impugns the nature of God. How could you be in the image of God and be a sinner? You know yeah, what I mean? And that, see, just, that, it, that it sounds wrong. The optic is bad.
0: Right. I think that is somewhat of a reification there. There, there, is, um, there is kind of a conflation of two things that aren't related. Yeah. In in a sense, man, man can lose the image of God that he was made with, um, and become a sinner and still be, let let me rephrase that man can (laughs) lose his innocence, become a sinner, but still be made in the image of God Mm -hmm. without that impugning God.
1: Yeah. I think that may be, did we get, did did we get it? (laughs) We're pretty close. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We'll leave it there. (laughs) All right. Let's leave it there. Um, we also have, it looks like, feedback regarding uh, the, you, you asked the question last time regarding a call to, say someone expresses a desire to, uh, I, I want to be a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. I think that was your question. And then yeah. versus someone saying, um, I'd like to be a deacon. How, why, why do we respond differently? Do we respond yeah. differently to those things? Um, And Nathan writes in and says, in the discussion surrounding Tom's question about how to respond to someone who wants to be a pastor, it may be helpful to note, and forgive me if you did so in this episode and I missed it, 1 Timothy 3.1, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. This seems to be a pretty clear statement that the desire to be a pastor is a good thing. However, I do have a question. It seemed that you both made it clear in your discussion that you would immediately take into consideration the qualifications of the person who desires to be a pastor with good reason. I assume that this is because you would not encourage an obviously disqualified person to pursue pastoring, but in many cases, it seems that this desire is often expressed by a young person who may may or may not be qualified as of yet, but who senses a desire in their own heart to pursue a ministry path. A teenager who believes God is calling him into ministry most likely is not qualified to pastor, husband of one wife, ruling his house well, etc. So would you encourage that that young person to pursue serving the Lord in that way? And if yeah. so, how would you direct them to prepare to be a pastor? Okay.
0: Um, I, I feel like in some ways Nathan maybe is taking a different tack with the question <clears throat> than than I had intended. And that's right. not Nathan's fault it's more likely related to perhaps my tendency to be somewhat uh, of an obfuscator of <laughs> what's happening in my mind at the moment. Um, yeah, or just does, the
1: direction our conversation took, but your original question brought into play the deacon desire.
0: Right. It was yeah. more about the deacon really than it was about the pastor um, because kind of the way that we often think is, and, and it's based on First Timothy 3, if a man desire the office of a bishop. I can't remember if I referenced it. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But it certainly was on my mind in the question. That's why maybe I just presumed it, um, is that we don't think it's abnormal for someone to desire the office of a pastor. In fact, we would sometimes encourage a qualified person, especially, uh, or even someone who is, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Qualified in potentia, we might say, a a young person. Mm -hmm. Uh, We even encourage the idea of desiring the office of a pastor. But when someone comes and says, I would like to be a deacon, we often inwardly cringe, go, oh, what's this guy want? Is it, does he want the preeminence in the church? You know, it's a, uh, we get a little cringy about it. And what we concluded was that the, way we, the reason we feel that way is basically because of the way that the offices are chosen. One is called by God who imports a desire into a person's heart for the office, whereas the other... Historically from Acts chapter 7 Were sought out and selected By the church mm-hmm. So it seems odd to us When someone who is You know Desiring the latter office Comes and says I would like to be a deacon uh, It's typically because that that person Is typically chosen um, But yeah that was kind of The nature of the question but you know Nathan does take it in an interesting direction here Which I, I wouldn't mind fleshing out here No because He does say, um, it seemed both of you made clear in your discussion, and maybe it's the only thing we made clear, I don't know. (laughs) That's me adding my words there. Uh, It seemed that you both made it clear in your discussion that you would immediately take into consideration the qualifications of the person who desires to be a pastor with good reason. Um, But he says, in many cases, it seems that this desire is often expressed by a young person who may or may not be qualified as of yet. But who senses a desire in their own heart to pursue a ministry path? Um <clears throat> so he says a teenager who believes God is calling him into ministry most likely is not qualified to pastor. And he references here the husband of one wife ruling his his house well, etc. Um, so would we encourage such a person to pursue serving the Lord as a pastor? And I I say, why not? You know, I mean that's what I meant by a moment ago when i said qualified in potentia um the idea is honestly that we would want to encourage all young men to not only become qualified but remain qualified uh even if they don't sense uh a desire at the moment for the office of pastor someday they might someday they might Mm -hmm. um that's that's kind of what i would say is to to stay qualified
1: um, I guess I would probably say I would encourage a young person, um, but to go to the next question, how would you direct them to prepare? Um, mm. I would probably say I would encourage, but I can't say I would promote um, because yes. you, you don't want to uh, make too big of an issue of it where you you promote a novice. And mm-hmm. you you create in him this feeling that, oh, I'm raising you to a status of you, you've been called and now everyone mm-hmm. looks at you differently. I'd say, look, if you're serious about this, then um, there's a few things that you'll really want to hone in on. If you feel like this is your life's calling and this is how God intends to use you. I mean, this is this is serious. And so one thing, let's start learning how to study, how to study, yeah. because this is the core and the huge part of what you do is being able to communicate what God actually said. So let's yeah. learn how to study. And then I, then let's get maybe some opportunities to preach, not so much to, again, to promote you, but because it's going to be a process to learn to communicate publicly yeah. in an articulate and, and way with confidence. Sure.
0: And, and maybe I'm being a little bit pedantic, but... Cause this is maybe, you know, kind of a similar way of saying the same thing, mm-hmm. but rather than telling someone learn how to study, which can seem like a very overwhelming task. It mm-hmm. sounds very, very serious and overwhelming. I would, I would encourage a young person, learn how to explain the Bible to yourself mm-hmm. or to someone else, learn how to, how to explain it. Now, implicit in that is if you're going to do that, you have to study it. Mm-hmm. But in a sense we're we're simplifying the process of study to its objective which is to learn to explain it. So essentially we are simply boiling down the the idea of learning to study into its objective which is you're learning to explain the Bible. Now what that what that will force a young person to do is to study it so that they can explain it in terms that they understand.
1: Um, you have to be able to teach it to yourself first if you're going to teach it to anybody else. Um, yeah, and that's a good point. But I probably then would even say, hey, let's start, um, let's start meeting on a you know, as regular a basis as possible to, mm-hmm. to talk about how to study. I mean, in order for you to explain it to yourself, we need to know how to compare Scripture to Scripture. We know how, need to know how to actually analyze the text. You know, right. understand the grammar of it so that it's not just, well, this, this says to me that, you know, or, you know, just all the typical right. flaws or whatever. And just say, no, no, we really need to know how to explain it to yourself in a way that's valid, you know. But yes, yeah. that, that is, that's a good way to put it, um, how, to, how to explain it to yourself.
0: Sure. Well, there's a, an interesting side application there um, to what you said with getting together with them to study is that in, in a sense it does make the a call evident in some way if someone is willing to do that. Yeah. Um, and it'll make it apparent to you, the if you're discipling them in that, whether or not they really are gifted in the way that someone who is called would be. And the reason I say this is because there is somewhat of a personal story here. If you remember, and you'll have to think back to, this would have been 2009 um, I came to you and Pastor Dietrich about going into the ministry, and one of the things, in addition to many other things, that Pastor Dietrich had said was, well, will start meeting with us to study once a week." Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there was another man, a young man in the church, who suspected he might be called to preach, and we started meeting. And I think, I think he was there for one, one Thursday. I think mm-hmm. it was what it was. And never came back again, and in many ways, it made it evident <laughs> um, perhaps that he wasn't really called to do that. Mm. Does that make sense
1: sure mhm
0: so yeah, I think what you're saying is good there to, to encourage a young person to get together and study if they sense a call to preach
1: right, because you think about the text itself it says if a man desire the office of a bishop, the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work uh there is a work to it mm-hmm. you know. It's not just an office; it's work. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so he might like the office, you know, uh, but does he truly? You, know, you tell him, you know, this is work, but it is a very desirable work. And uh, if God yeah. calls you to it, this is you know, tremendous.
0: Yeah, and and I've harped on this one a lot too. If a young person senses a call to preach, um, I I would uh, I would also encourage them to develop a skill, mm-hmm. um, especially depending on where they're called to or where they, if they, if they already have some sense of where they might be called to, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, the idea of a full-time vocational pastor is becoming less and less common. Mm. Churches are getting smaller in some parts of the country. You know, maybe if the kid said, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm called to, you know, pastor, you know, down South or somewhere or some parts of middle America, you know, the idea of becoming a full-time vocational pastor there may be a little more realistic, you know, Even in some senses where like in the South, one of the biggest things they, they complain about there is that there's largely an unregenerate church membership in some places mm-hmm. where people just kind of go because it's their Southern heritage to go to church mm-hmm. and uh, they might not be saved people, but in the South, you'll often always have people <laughs> in a lot of places, not everywhere, but in a lot of places down South, you will. Whereas up in the Northeast and out on the West coast, it's becoming less common um, to have you know, bigger churches that are doing things right. Um, so developing a skill alongside that, I think would be valuable.
1: Um, yeah, for a young person. I get, I just this morning, I was kind of surveying, I kind of went through Titus, you know, kind of in quick fashion and just kind of scanning Titus and noticing what, uh, what he was supposed to do. And it seemed like almost everything if not everything was you know um exhort them this exhort them that teach them this uh and and even i think was it chapter one where he is supposed to be able to you know convince the gainsayers so to me there's there's um a real work of study that has to Mm -hmm. just be core to what the pastor is he has to understand how to approach the issues of life with you know with a meaningful understanding of scripture But then it was interesting that I think about four times, maybe, maybe more, um, he mentions good works, be ready Mm -hmm. to good works, you know, and then he finishes the next to the last verse in the, in the book, he says, and let ours also, it seems like, you know, and let us who are Christians also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. So it's kind of like when, you know, there, there's certain things you need to know how to do for when it's necessary. And I could What's see that reference? That, uh Titus 3.14. And I could see where the skill would come in play there, even for Paul, you know, that uh obviously he was he was a man on a mission and he he so was pursuing Christ, and yet there was tent making in the process because sure. that was necessary at the time. Uh the Philippians offered, you know, others may at times have supported him financially. Um, he knew how to abound, he knew how to be abased, but when it was necessary, he had a skill that he could use. And, uh, and I don't think that's unwarranted, um, but still weighing that over with the fact that you need to be well studied. This kind of leads me into the next question or do you have another thought?
0: Well, I was going to ask you, what about also the encouraging them in some way in the study of like logic and rhetoric, Mm -hmm. um, just being able to understand how to make an argument Mm -hmm. and, uh, How to destroy one?
1: Yes, I think um, that done by a spiritual man would be a wise Mm -hmm. idea. Um, Rhetoric is so powerful, and logic to some degree too, because um, it's like it's like being in a business meeting where you know Robert's rules of order, and you Mm -hmm. can like twist and turn that thing if they don't know what they're doing, because you know the rules and you know how to do all this and that. You can use it to a you know to a bad end you know what i mean right. a similar thing with logic and rhetoric that you can so craft a statement and a sentence and demolish people's thinking and all that and and say well in the end i don't know if that's really useful and i've seen uh, I, can, I can think of a, a youtuber a certain um apologist you know he would consider himself and i'm sure he's intelligent and studied and things like that but i just sort of get this air from him that he he loves kind of what he knows. He loves being able to just tear people up or whatever. You know what I mean? To just have that comment to just beat him. And I just think, oh, I hate that. Uh, You know, that attitude, you want to know what you believe, why you believe it. You want to be able to stand confidently and yet really, you know, come across in the right way. Yes, be articulate, but, uh, but care for people at the same time. Um, so yeah, I think, I definitely think that logic, because you don't want to make, you don't want to undermine your whole cause by sounding stupid, by not knowing how to verbalize what you're saying, by not knowing how to counter, um, an argument, by not knowing how to even craft a thought, you know, how, how to, how to put together a logical, valid thought. But, um, but yeah, it has to be done with that balanced view of now use this, use this in the right way. Um, right. That brings me to a question. I I told you a while back, or a little while back, that uh, I had, I was I was doing a lot of driving. I was on the road a lot, uh, back and forth from another state, and um, and I had an opportunity to just listen to a number of podcasts one day, and and it was enjoyable, and yet it's like, well, then it really gets the mind going, like oh, in these different thoughts, and what was getting my mind going in part was I was listening to. I guess you would call it political uh, podcast, and it was after the. Do you remember the old show Hannity and Combs? Did you ever know here hear that I've heard of show? it. Okay. I, I
0: did not watch it. No, I, I don't really know anything. Yeah, about, I think about I might have
1: known it in the tail end. Not that I I really ever watched it hardly, but um, but Hannity was the conservative, Combs was the liberal, whatever you know, and so they would probably talk about the news from two different angles. But they were both hosts of the show. Well, this was a podcast that actually was. Um, the same thing where, you know, one's the conservative, one's the liberal and they'll interview somebody <laughs> or whatever, but they're both coming at it from different angles, obviously, uh, different, uh, yeah, aspects politically. And they were interviewing a, uh, well-known, I guess, liberal attorney. And, um, and I was just, it was interesting to, to hear the man that you had to, in some ways, appreciate I think, I think there's something to a good attorney's mind that he, he recognizes the value of facts, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he needs, um, evidence, right. Um, and so in some ways, I guess it brought home to me that, you know, we as believers and, and really in anything that we believe and want to convince people of, we need to know the facts, not just our conclusions. Um, sure. we know what we believe about it, but why, what, what has brought us to that belief? And if we don't really know what's brought us to that belief, then we really don't stand on very solid ground. Well, that's what, that's what I've always heard. Well, that's not a good argument at all. Um, so why do you believe the things that you believe go back and be able to cite the facts, build the case, um, you know, uh, state the evidence, uh, and, and know those things because for somebody who thinks like that, who says, well, well what's your evidence, you know, what's your evidence on that? Now they were talking politically and, and believe it or not, you know, he was a, he was a friend of Hillary Clinton and thought Hillary was, you know, a genuinely kind and genteel person and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and we go, Oh my goodness. You know what I mean? But he's saying, what's your evidence against Hillary, right? Something like that. Well, If, if all, if we've just been listening to talk radio and we've just kind of, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm," But we haven't really absorbed enough of it to ever really restate it. We just go, yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't like her. We don't like her. Well, you don't have a good argument then. He says, okay, so what, what argument do you actually having it? Well, I know she's done some bad stuff. Like what? Well, I don't know. There there's a, I just been a bunch of things. yeah like, what, you know, actually be able to state something, build your case. Um, and I, of course I'm not, frankly,
0: if someone's willing to call me a deplorable, just because I don't, uh, (laughs) enable their, their political desires, then I wouldn't call them a nice person.
1: Yeah. Well, see, there you go. But you actually have, so you, so what you're doing is you're stating, um, a, a speech that she made that maybe she didn't realize was being recorded that was being recorded. Um, and so, yeah, you could actually cite that as, as a thing, but, so the, the idea know the facts, not just your conclusion. Um, and then, um, and so, so one of the takeaways you need to be prepared, uh, and that's going to require study. It's going to require not just listening to people that you agree with, but trying to log. Okay, what are they saying? What's the case they're building? What are they citing? Now, I know as I listen to political podcasts, I just I enjoyed that at times. Sometimes I get I I I I'm t- I tire of it, but other mm-hmm. times I just really enjoy um, hearing about it. And, um, and these guys immerse themselves in it all the time and that's their job. You know, they, they are, they are reading news articles, they're examining this, they're doing this, they're commenting on it. So they can call, they can call names and cases and, and this, and this person, this, what went on, you know, 10 years ago, because that's their life. Uh, well, my life is Bible, you know, and so I ought to be prepared when someone asks me a question of biblical relevance, you know, or, or asks me, a, well, what about this? Or what do you believe about this? Well, what would God say about this? Well, what can I do about my marriage? Well, what about this social thing over here? What does the Bible have to say about that? I should be studied. And of course, I'm not going to know all the answers right now, but I should be heading in that direction to not just say, well, I, yeah, that's, that's bad. That's bad. Well, why is it bad? What should we do about it? What does God have to say about it? So anyway, uh, the need to be prepared. Um, but then I was sort of irritated, and I guess it's still you're dealing with a sinner, that the lawyer was still using lawyer tactics. While, while I could appreciate in one way, he wants evidence. And I think he I, I, at times acknowledged, okay, that's a good point. On the mm-hmm. other hand, I could see a little bit of lawyerishness in there, and that kind of goes to that rhetoric thing, that if I, yeah. can, if I can use a certain uh, strategy, a certain technique on you, that you say something and boom, I grab onto that word. And then I begin to badger you about that word instead of in honesty. um, What do they call it? Good faith. Say, Mm -hmm. go ahead, keep, keep talking. Let make your argument. I I could, I could pick apart what you said, but I, what I want to hear is actually what you believe so that we can talk about the substance of the issue. But if I'm going to win the case, you know, I'm going to badger you and make you look stupid right here with the time that we have. And boom, I've won.
0: Well, th- so is, th- is that the thing that you were calling a lawyerish, yes, type a, behavior?
1: A yeah, right, because it's not really seeking to get to the truth. You know, let's let's actually talk about the facts. Okay, so maybe the other guy that you're talking to isn't um, super smooth and know all the facts, but let him let him try to make his case. You know, and then. And at least let him, you know, whatever, let him say something, or if or if somebody's trying to badger me, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, what about that? What about that? Oh, the little sound bite, you know? Oh oh yeah, oh yeah, what about this? Say, no, okay, listen, listen, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, so to me, at the foundation, you still want uh I don't I don't want somebody to be disingenuous. If you're really looking for truth, uh don't look for distraction or misrepresentation or accusation, you know, that impugns your character. Like the one guy said, well, you're, you're good at adjectives. You know, you know how to describe things, but you don't know how to give me evidence, you know, you're good at, you're good at calling people things. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, but hmm. you know, do we really have time to flesh out the argument? And then one other thing I had, uh, when someone is confronted with truth, but in pride, he elevates himself and attempts to justify his position. I think it deserves the judgment. It gets. Um. You know, at it, it went, but when when you actually confront them with truth, and then they're willing to walk away for whatever reasons, uh, of course they're worthy of, of judgment, and um, and we don't necessarily always recognize that. But um, anyway, that's uh, uh, that's just some takeaways from that. Not that I have a question from that, but you had said, well, write down your write down your thoughts on that, and kind of going to it's just it, it's being impressed on me, and I guess just reaffirmed uh, in me. For me personally, if I'm going to be a pastor, I really feel like so much of that is know the word, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, be be an an apologist, um, though many, quote unquote, apologists know how to make an apologetic for God, but not much beyond that. Sometimes, sure, yeah, you know, they 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 can they can prove God, but they're not a Baptist. Well, I feel like, well, I'm a Baptist because I believe that I ought to be a Baptist, and because that's biblical. Well, then I need to know and make the case for you know, or or we listen, you and I, you know, you and I listen to folks that we say, man, I really like their political position, or wow, they state that really well, but they're Roman Catholics. Mm -hmm. Well, with the same degree of preparedness that they can talk politics and. Believe it or not, that to some degree, they can even talk about their faith. I need to be able to talk about my faith and rebut what they're saying and show the substance yeah. of why I truly stand where I'm at, especially since that's what I'm supposed to be, right? As a pastor, supposed, I mean, that you're right. like, that's your job. You're like, you're a, you're a man of the cloth and you don't know how to defend what you believe. I, I really need to know. I mean, we need to be studying, studying, studying.
0: Yeah. I, and I'm pretty sure I know who you're referring to with the, uh, the political podcasts that we listen to. Um, and I have heard some of their arguments for why they are Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. And what strikes me the most frustrating about that is because it seems that even the most intelligent, well-read, studied minds can still make bad arguments <laughs> yeah. when they simply don't want to change their conclusion. And, you know, I've heard them make arguments for Roman Catholicism. And frankly, their arguments are disingenuous. Uh, I've heard them make arguments for Judaism. And their arguments are frankly disingenuous. And it's like you get frustrated because you're like, your entire life is taking politics and finding the evidence, stating arguments, and debunking wrong claims. And it's like, you can't even do that with yourself on this Mm. issue. Mm -hmm. because it's like, uh, and that's why I say disingenuous is the word that keeps coming to mind because, uh, it's that one area in the sense they've already chosen where they want to fall on the issue. So now their arguments then have to fall in line with their conclusion first. And that's backwards.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. But you know, if, have you ever thought about what if I got onto a plane, you know, what if I, what if I was traveling and I saw this guy in an airport and I had, I had 20 minutes to talk to him, would I be able to make my case? Mm -hmm. you know, to, to someone that intelligent, would I be able to, to, um, you know, in, you know, in, in good humor and with, you know, with good people skills, but can, but can I, do I actually have the substance ready at hand to make a really good solid case and be that, that light of truth to someone to say, look, I've given you something. You can walk away from it, but you can't deny that this is a solid case. You know what I mean? Um, or would I just go, you know, or, or repeat a few right. verses and not be able to string together. And, and arguably not everyone is going to be able to do that. Um,
0: you know, I think different personalities play into that as well. Um, I know well, folks that no yeah. matter how intelligent they are, no matter how well reasoned they are or are articulate, they are, mm-hmm. if it's in the pressure of a debate or oh, yeah. right, right, right. even even a gentle debate. I'm, t- I'm not talking about a heated one. Even under the pressure of a debate that involves confronting someone who disagrees with you, they shut down. And you know, I can't necessarily fault every personality type for that. Some people just aren't wired that way.
1: No, I, I do understand that. I just and, and I would just say that generally, as Christians, we ought to be studying. We ought to be growing. But especially for those who are called to feed the flock and to make an apologetic and yeah. to uh, whatever Titus says, you know, exhort that convince the gainsayers. Yeah. We've got a job. We've got some studying we got to do for sure. Yeah. Uh, and set an example. Um, so would
0: you go as far as to say that if someone doesn't seem to have the ability to do that, um, that they might really question whether or not their call is genuine?
1: Yes. Um, now, okay. now to to uh, now, that's going to sound harsh, right at first. Mm-hmm. Of course, I think there's going to be gradations of that. Because uh, sure. personally, as I am, as 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 I'm being honest about myself, I go, "Whoa, I need a lot of work in this area." You know, I, I'm I may be growing, but I have all so much more I want to do. So, who is ever exactly where they want to be? You have some, you know, who just aren't, and I don't I don't mean this mean, but they they just aren't as mentally acute, say. Uh, you know, but they still can be solid in what they say. They may not know how to go seven steps down and they may not know how to get all philosophical on it, but they can still be solid. And if they're, you know, if they're constantly expounding truth, they ought to be growing in some way. And so, so if you can't, if you just sort of feel like, uh, nothing that comes out of my mouth is a, a, a tremendous amount of substance, well, then you kind of have to look at the guy's pulpit ministry and say, Hmm. Well, if there's not a whole lot of substance there, he's either, you know, you, you can maybe start to question his call or his, uh, how seriously he takes his call. Right. You know, he might just be in this place where the people are happy. Oh, preacher, you, this and that, and he's happy. And as long as the church just kind of keeps going week to week and everybody's happy and they're sort of okay with the message and it's that what they've always heard before. And he's a likable guy and he's got enough humor in his message that we're all happy. Well, that doesn't mean he's hmm. being the pastor that he ought to be, um, right? Right. And so, so
0: there should be some sort of demonstrable ability to make an argument and even destroy one, or at least the potential to learn it.
1: Well, to some degree, yes. Because what well, doesn't it say apt to teach? That means yes. you can communicate uh, truth in in a, in mm-hmm. a way that's helpful. You know what I mean? That yeah. doesn't just yeah. That's that's discernible. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it, interesting. It's a side note too. Um, people's softness. I, I just uh, in in our culture, we we talk about it and we hear about it. How fragile uh, the younger generation is about their beliefs. You know. Well, I just got a, I just got a piece of that today. Uh, we sent out uh, a couple times a year. Uh, We've now for about 10 years been sending out a newspaper out of our church. We, uh, we write the The articles, we, we, I, I format it, we have it printed and then we send it. uh, And, and now uh, praise the Lord, we're at the point where we can send it to just about every, every household in a 20 mile radius. Um, Mm -hmm. So so you know it's it's getting in their mailbox. They have the opportunity to read it. You have some name exposure there, but you're putting sometimes, oftentimes, the gospel, but other obviously substantive articles. We may have five, six, maybe seven articles per per. It's just an eight page newspaper. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so we got a phone call. Uh, somebody saying that they were calling to see now. Now, to her credit, she was calm on the on the on the answering machine, but uh, she wanted to see if there was a way. That she could be taken off of our list uh, because she didn't agree uh, with us, and she didn't like us trying to force her um, force her to believe like we do force you know, her force her that was the word force her It's a newspaper, and yet we're forcing her um, because wow. we, we put a, we, we put a newspaper in the mailbox Is't that amazing People need to use a dictionary more. <laughs> I, you know, and force you know, her, yeah. And, and I mean, I, the bad news is for her that no, actually, I can't take you off the list because of the way that we send it. It literally just blankets the entire community, basically, or the whole mailing route.
0: What um, was her
1: response? Well, I haven't, I, she didn't leave a, a callback number, but she said she will call back. Um, but you know, the answer is, well, you know, you're in, you, you know, I, I, I'm sorry you disagree. And, uh, and unfortunately I can't take you off the list, but you're certainly free to throw it in the trash can. (laughs) And you're not going to offend me. You know what I mean? If you uh, sort of anticipate that happening, uh, that if you, you know, if you, uh, don't agree and, and you vehemently deny what we say, then just pitch it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I, it's, uh, it's that easy, but, uh, anyway, (laughs) people being, wow.
0: I have, uh, I have a story. I actually started this story in the last episode as we went into the after show and we took it into the after show. But speaking of triggered and uh, kind of people's fragile constitution, uh-huh. I have I have an update to the story.
1: Okay. Um, but we're going to have to cover that on the other side of the wall. We're,
0: yeah. We're going to have to take that to the after show because it is one of the craziest things that has happened in my ministry to date.
1: <laughs> amen I amen. just hope some crap no. god made. It. Oh no, I maybe not. I don't. <laughs> no.
0: No. Though though it uh I will say it I was prepared here. in case it in case it did. Well, I was prepared and I thought it might.
1: You were thinking. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us and uh we didn't have maybe so many questions this time as feedback and thoughts. And so I hope it didn't bore you, but if you've got any thoughts of your own or some commentary on what you heard from us about being prepared, uh, about being triggered, uh, about desire for the ministry, uh, whatever it may be, hey, just fire it our way, podcast at gmail.com.
0: Thank you again for being with us on this episode. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.